This year we are talking about walking worthy of your calling. And our theme verse for the year comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. You probably know it well by now, but just in case you don't, you know, before the sermon, you should always check the batteries in your remote. Where Paul writes, I, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have focused for the past several weeks. Steve has done a wonderful job describing to us the importance of understanding our worth and our calling. For the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about specifically our calling as a group of people, the body. Uh, We have two parts to focus on in looking at our calling of the body. That is who we are called to be. That's important. We have a, a very specific standard to measure up to in Christ. And secondly, beyond who we are called to be, is the what we are called to do. Now, I, like you, a week ago today, or sometime during the week, was shocked, horrified, brought to absolute shock over what happened to our Egyptian brothers halfway around the world, as 21 of them were horrifically and brutally murdered by Islamic terrorists. What you may not know is that those 21 men had been uh, tortured for days and weeks leading up to that moment. They had been told again and again to renounce Christ, and yet they would not. As they were marched out to that beach, which would soon be stained with their blood, they sang songs to Jesus and worshipped him, knowing that they would lay down their lives literally for him. And what was it that called them to that what was it that allowed them to make that stand? What was it as, that they, as, they made their, uh, as they made their final breaths in this world, what happened? They uttered the words, Yarab Yeshua, which means, O oh Lord Jesus. I'm not exactly sure what's happening, but the PowerPoint's going really fast. <laughs> Back it up about two slides. They were called the people of the cross, and uh, rightly so. Now, we know that as believers in Christ, they are in the same body that we are. They serve the same head who we serve. But I want to help deepen our understanding of the headship of Christ this morning. We're going to talk about the the entire body, but this morning, specifically, we focus on the first, most important part, the head. And it's not a what, it's a who. Because in Christ, we are learning about the head of the body. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. It's not going to be on the PowerPoint. You need to turn there in your Bibles. You need to run your hands along the words. You need to etch them in your hearts. You need to ingrain them in your minds. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Back it up one more slide, just guys. He is the image of the invisible God. If you're not following along in Scripture, you're missing a deep, 
powerful theological understanding if you're in Christ. Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For in Him... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. If you didn't catch that, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have preeminence. I ask you, it is no secret, of course, that scripture tells us that he's the head. But it's not just saying he's the head of us individually or us collectively. It's saying he's the head of all things. That Christ was the beginning and he's the firstborn from the dead and he'll be at the end. The Alpha and the Omega. When you are serving under the Lordship of Christ, you're making a decision that the universe and all creation knows all too well. The question is... As Jesus asked Peter in Matthew chapter 16, when he said, who do people say that I am? Forward one slide. They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus looked at them and said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We call that the good confession. We watched it made last week when Blake made that confession. And we've watched it all throughout time. Be starting with Peter all the way to now till the end of time, till the very last tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. And of those who believe we are the people who confess him as Lord. You say, you've wasted a lot of time and quite a few slides preaching to the choir. I mean, after all, you're at a Christian church. The name of Jesus adorns the outside of our building. But it may come as a surprise to you that not every church that claims the Lordship of Christ has the Lordship of Christ. Though he adorns their doors, he is mysteriously absent from their doctrine. Though he is on their lips, he is far from their hearts. The question is not a matter of whether he is Lord. The question is a matter of if we will allow him to be Lord. We can have a church without Christ. There are lots of them. We can have a church that will not yield to his words or his commands or his examples. But Northside is not, does not intend to be, nor will it ever be one of those places. When you come to work at Northside, when you come to be a part of the body, you serve under the head that is Christ. 
And that's important for us to understand. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and following says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is going to happen. For every single person, not just in this room, but in all creation, not just in the world now, but that has ever existed, every knee will bow. Look at your knees for just a second. Don't look at me. Look at your knees. Because one day, those knees are going to bow to the lordship and the authority of Christ. The question is not if. The question is when. You will do it now of your own accord, or you will do it when you step into eternity. But you will bow to the Lordship of Christ, for in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, as was read for us. At at Northside, we seek His Lordship collectively and individually. Now, if Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe that, there's there's a second part of Jesus' headship. Okay, now, now, you don't need to remember this, so just ignore what I'm about to say. Jesus' head, and there's the part of the head that's Lord, and there's the part of the head that's Savior. Again, not important for you to remember that he's Lord and Savior. Don't remember that. It's not important for you to remember at all. Just push it far away from your hearts that Jesus is Lord. And I want to talk to you just for a second about Jesus the Savior. The whole story of the Bible, from, from Genesis even all the way until Revelation. I mean, by the way, I couldn't get a clearer picture of those 21 martyrs than the book of, the Re- of Revelation, which said their robes were stained with blood. And as they stood on this seashore stained with their blood, they entered into an eternal shore stained with the blood of the Lamb. He is Lord, but he is also Savior. And that salvation has been occurring ever since the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, when God, when they sin and he he gives them their punishment, the first thing he does is he makes for them skins. Not leaves like they had made for themselves that were going to fall apart. And really, leaves is not a great choice for underwear. And so God makes a sacrifice. An animal dies foreshadowing the death that would have to come for all sinners. And God made a sacrifice to to save mankind. Even as they were escorted out of the garden, he provided for them. He saved them by providing an ark for the flood, storehouses in the famine, a sacrifice to save from death, a dry path through the Red Sea, manna and quail in the desert, a king for a leaderless nation, and eventually a Messiah for all nations. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11 The scripture says, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. There is not a story within the Bible that does not contain the theme of God's salvation and redemption over and over and over again. It is God reaching down to his people and offering offering them salvation from the things which they could not save themselves. But they lead up to Jesus, who is the final story of salvation. The Hebrew writer says there is no there is no more sacrifice for sins left. We've watched all the stories of God's redeeming man. And Jesus is the final story, the ultimate zenith of God's salvation. 
Jesus is both Lord and Savior. We all, most of us should know, John chapter 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But remember verse, the next verse, verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. With Jesus, we get two things, lordship and salvation. And it's important that we understand that with Christ, you don't get a choice between one or the other. Many people want Jesus as Savior. I mean, why not? The opportunity to have grace and mercy and love and atonement. Anybody would accept that deal, right? Salvation, that's an easy gift. But lordship, that's a different picture. Oh, hi, Andrew. Andrew's going to help me with something because I want him to demonstrate for us what it means to have both salvation and the lordship of Christ. Now, Andrew, you're a Christian, right? You've been baptized into Christ. You confessed him as Lord. I know you're doing your very best with as a husband and as a father, to reign under his lordship. I know you've received a salvation. Now, for just a second, and I don't want you to read too much into this, I want to play Lord for you. Okay? I'm going to be your Lord. All right? So what I want you to do, first of all, as you're mine now, I want you to hand over to me your treasure. I want you to give me your wallet. Okay, thank you. That is the thickest wallet I've ever seen. Do you see that? You better see a Dops brother, friend. That is... <laughs> there is a lot of treasure here. All right, now you handed that over pretty willingly. Are you willing to entrust it to me? Totally? Yes. Completely? All right, good. Next, I'm going to need something that's probably even more important than your treasure. I'm going to need your time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all day, every day. It's not just a couple of hours here and a couple of hours there. That's not going to do it. If you want to be my servant, I'm going to need that watch. Now, that's a nice watch. But... uh, Come on, I'm Lord. I know where you spend a lot of your time. Let's have that cell phone. Now, hold on. Now, I know I'm all-knowing and everything, but I don't know the passcode. If you'd like to know Andrew's passcode, just let me know. Now, I can go through here and look through all the pictures, and I can listen to all the music. It's mine because it's yours and because you are mine, right? Wonderful. Thanks, Andrew. You can have a seat. (laughs) You see, we want Jesus as Savior, but so often we refuse to let him be Lord. 
And it's important to understand when you come to Northside and when you work as a part of this body, we're a group of people who believe not only in the salvation of Jesus Christ that comes through him, but in the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he gets to rule everything, that in him all things might have preeminence, if you've caught that from Colossians. You see, he gets it all. He gets your time. He gets your treasure. He gets your talents. He, he gets lordship. And so many times it's coming to Jesus with this sort of partial servitude. I just want, I just want him to have me on Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 if it's not snowing. And I, I really want him to, maybe occasionally on Wednesday nights, I might do a small group. That's kind of pushing it. But that's all I'm giving Jesus. I don't want to give him my money. I don't want to give him my time. I don't want to give him my talents. Then you do not get Jesus. You do not understand what it means to have a Lord. Now, this is completely understandable. Because when we, in this world, have a boss or a Lord or someone who's over us, most of the time... They're not very good at it. How many of you, raise your hand, if you've ever worked for a bad boss? Students, how many of you have ever had a bad teacher? <laughs> We've all been there of someone who has authority, but has just absolutely abuses it. Now, you need to understand when you come to the Lordship of Christ, you get two things. The scripture describes there's lots more, but I'm just going to give you two. Number one, you get a good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you look at Psalm chapter 23 and you look at what, how David described the Lord as a shepherd, this tells us something about the nature of Jesus. He leads us on the right paths. He restores our wounds. He protects us from evil. He provides us with everything we need. And in short, he cares and wants what is best for the sheep. Now catch it just a second. The sheep, uh, the shepherd, is not all about the happiness of the sheep. Because the sheep might see some beautifully lush grass... That they want to go to, but the shepherds know that there are wolves surrounding that grass. The shepherds have the best interest of the sheep in mind. Not necessarily the happiness of the sheep. This morning before worship, I was going around talking to some people. And up behind me I get a tap on my shoulder. It's an elder. It's bad when you get called... By an elder before the sermon. <laughs> the elder said, we want to meet with you in that very elder-esque face. And we walk into the little room and they said, we just want to pray for you. We just want to put our hands on you and pray for you because we know you need it today. Those are good shepherds. To understand the difference, when we serve Jesus the Lord, we serve a good shepherd who loves us, who wants what's best for us. Doesn't mean every single thing he asks us to do is going to make us happy, but it's for what is best. Second, when we serve Jesus, we get a good husband. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, 
verses 25 through 32, tells us this long story about how husbands should should love their wives, should give themselves up for her, should make her holy. And he goes through this whole list of things, and it, some of the things seem to apply, but some seem very weird. And then Paul ends it in verse 32 by saying, This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Now, I, I do believe he's addressing Christian husbands and how we ought to provide for our wives and pr- care for them and protect them. But what he's really saying here, well, is the picture you see on your screen. Now, you don't likely know these folks on the screen, but that is my wife's great uh, uncle Rusty and her late great Aunt Jean. She passed away a couple of years ago. At the time this picture was taken, they were in their 80s. They had been married 63 years. And, he, and she had multiple sclerosis, has had for many, many years. And that Thanksgiving, as I watched him, Rusty, care for Jean, as he gently wheeled her inside the house and, and made sure she was at a place where she could see everyone and talk to everyone, as he went to the line and got her food and got her the food that she he knew that she could eat and chopped up what he she could not chew herself and brought her the plate and stayed by her side and laughed and talked and interacted with her. As he took her home, he lifted her out of where she was seated, put her back in her wheelchair, pushed the wheelchair back outside onto the ramp and strapped her in. That is what love is all about. That kind of love is inspiring. It is remarkable. It is selfless. And it makes something like the notebook or Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever look so shallow and meaningless. Real love is deep and lasting and abiding, and it doesn't seek its own good, but selflessly lays down every part of himself for his bride. That's beautiful love. And Jesus is not just talking about husbands and wives here. He's talking about Christ and his beautiful bride, the church. And I know it is popular to bash the church of these days. I know it's an easy target because she is not a perfect bride, but she is the bride of Christ. And when you bash her, you mock the husband. It is important to understand that Christ does not lord it over his bride, but he cares for his bride through his protection, his provision, his care and his sacrifice of himself. So where does that leave us? If Christ is over all things and he's specifically head over the body and in the body, he is both Lord and Savior. And as a Lord, he's not just any Lord. He's a good, caring, kind, compassionate, protective Lord, like a good shepherd and a good husband. That leaves us then to me only a couple of choices for the followers. Now, this morning, you're going to fall into one of two categories, and I want you to know that neither of them are bad. They're just different. Luke chapter 5, if you're turning in your Bibles, verses 4 through 5, 
tells us the story of Jesus calling his disciples. Put out into deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, this is level one, at your word, I will obey you as a servant obeys his master, as Andrew obeyed me, he just did what I asked and didn't question. But he didn't do anything more. He just obeyed. That's level one. Obedience. And nothing wrong with obedience. But there's another level you can grow to. And it's found in John chapter 15, where he says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I have learned from my father. I have made known to you. This is level two. This is the level of trust, not just obeying as a servant obeys his master, but trusting in Jesus as a friend. Thomas famously, infamously is called doubting Thomas. But in John eleven sixteen, he said to Jesus, let us go that we may die with him also. Acts chapter 4.13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they saw they were unschooled, ordinary men who were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. It's not about extraordinary people. It's about an extraordinary Messiah and an extraordinary Savior who does extraordinary things through very ordinary people. Very ordinary people like Pauline Jacoby. Pauline Jacoby... Oh, that's good. Go ahead. Pauline Jacoby is 92 years old. I'll turn the sound up here. Walmart turned things around on her would-be attacker. Without a gun, without pepper spray, she protected herself. I was lucky enough to meet Pauline Jacoby in Dyersburg. She told me about the powerful words that saved her and could possibly save her attacker, too. I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sins. 92-year-old Pauline Jacoby reads her Bible every day. Her strong faith keeps her going in life and in the process may have saved it. Jacoby had just finished putting away her groceries inside her car at a nearby Walmart. Only seconds after Jacoby got into her car, a man jumped in the passenger side. The man told Jacoby he had a gun and that he would shoot her if she didn't give him money. I said, no. I'm not looking in my money. Jacoby told him no three times. Then she started to talk to him. You know, as quick as you kill me, I'll go to heaven and you go to hell. She told him to ask God for forgiveness. I said, Jesus is in this car and he goes with me everywhere I come. And... Uh, he just started looking around, and the tears began coming in his eyes. Jacoby ministered the man for ten minutes inside her car. And he says, I, I think I'll go home and pray tonight. I says, you don't have to wait tonight. I says, you can just pray any time you want to. As tears were rolling down the man's face, Jacoby voluntarily gave him all the money she had. Ten dollars. And when I told him I was going to give him the money, I said, don't you spend it on whiskey either. <laughs> the man thanked her for the money and then... He told him to kiss me on the cheek. <laughs> and walked away. He walked away. 
Well, Jacoby's story has caught national attention, and we've gotten so many calls and emails from church leaders who want to show her story to their congregations in order to teach others how to minister. Jacoby's story also aired on the Today Show. They tried to get her to come to New York for a visit. Too humble to take credit, Jacoby said, no thank you. She says she prefers spreading the word right here at home. In the meantime, police are still searching for the man who tried to rob Ms. Jacoby. If you have information, call Dyer County Crime Stoppers at 731-285-TIPS. I realize I'm a little ahead of myself in my sermon. But I need you to understand this visual. What is it that allows a 92-year-old widow to minister to a man who's going to threaten to take her life because she serves under the head? And she doesn't just obey the head. Oh, I know she does. But she trusts the head. Did you hear what she said? Jesus is with me in this car, which is a hilarious visual to think of Jesus in the back seat. But she was truthful and sincere about it because she is a part of the body who is keenly aware of the head. And when the body serves under the head, the body is fearless and bold and willing to do whatever God calls them to do wherever they might find themselves. We've had a a lot of servants like Pauline this week. Oh, you didn't get mugged. But you laid down your life for the head. We had a pretty tragic loss this past week. We had people, specifically from the Bible Memorist class, I want to give kudos to you guys. You have just done an amazing job of wrapping your arms and your hearts around the Millican family. And I know there have been others who have done it as well. Uh, There are people that have given so much Because they trust in the head. Craig Dossie has discipled so many young men and continues to do so. Why? Because that's easy? Because that's comfortable? Huh? Not at all. But because he serves under the head. And when you serve under the head, you're bold and fearless in your proclamation of the gospel and your maturing of young Christians. I think about... All of the volunteers and leaders in Celebrate Recovery in Elaine, uh, the work that they do is with messy, messy people who need to know the Messiah. Do you think that's easy? Do you think there aren't some long nights and some difficult times and some times where you're just completely worn out? And yet, why do they do it? Because they serve under the head. Because they trust in the head. There are people like our small group leaders. The Laharis who handle all the, the meals and do so many things with, in the kitchen, Wichita work camp and other things. I talked to Annie Downey this morning. She's back. It's so good to see her. Well, I was asking Sandy and Becky, who can you think of that just really is an unsung hero? And just both of them all at once said Annie Downey. Annie Downey organizes nearly every shower, makes flowers for the young ladies, does so much that they basically had to cancel Wednesday night meals so she would go have her knees replaced. Why does Annie do that? Because John can't keep control of her. 
No, because she trusts the head and she's willing to wear out her knees and her heart and her life in service to the head. If you are at Northside, know that this is a place where we are people who serve the head, who love the head and who trust above all things in the head. I want to invite you this morning, if you haven't put your faith and trust in your head, in the head, not your head, I want you to bow your knee. I want to invite you to confess with your mouth. I want you to put on the head and make him head over your life. If you have that need or any other need, our elders await you down front as together we stand and sing.